God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And we have a a lot of interesting topics we're going to be covering today. Uh, The phone lines will be open. Uh, The number is 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. That's 215-867-8255. If you'd like to call in and be heard today. And we're going to start off with the Supreme Court uh, decision where they sided with a Christian student in college free speech case. That's a that's an issue that uh, we are tackling. Um, one of the uh, one of the planks that we are uh, all about with BugleCall.org is free speech, civil liberties, uh, big tech censorship, Section two thirty, uh, all religious freedom. You know all of those things. Uh, are really near and dear to our hearts, and it's one of the cornerstones to what what BugleCall.org uh, and MagaPack.org are all about. And again, they're going to go, those two uh, organizations basically are one. Uh, one's an entity, and the other is a, um, uh, an uh, organization underneath the entity. Uh, basically, both are having the same mission, the same cause, the same principles, uh, but they're going to go about them and reach two different areas of our country. And uh, that's how we're going to be doing that. But this topic here is one of the big topics that I think is just so important for um, our organization and what we're about. And that is that the Supreme Court ruled in an eight-to-one decision how these things are even contested. It's like this is two plus two. But the Supreme Court ruled in it in an eight to one decision Monday that a Georgia college's speech code policy violated the First Amendment and that a student who was harmed by the policy can seek damages. Justice Clarence Thomas issued the opinion of the court Monday, siding with Chike Uzug Bunum. Okay, so he's uh, obviously as a 
a foreign name, um, a uh, former student at Georgia Gwinnett College, and affirming his right to share his Christian faith on campus. So he's affirming his right to share his Christian faith on campus. Hmm, seems reasonable so far. Hope you're not shaking in your boots right now. The opinion reversed an 11th Circuit Court of Appeals decision, reversed an 11th Circuit Court of Appeals decision, which said uh, Yuzubunum didn't have standing to sue the college over its policy that severely restricted his speech. You know, it seems to me like these courts know that they don't have the Constitution on their side, so they use the standing rule. It's, it doesn't have standing. They did it all through the election. They knew that if they heard the merits of the case, right, during the election fraud cases, which ten, uh, officially it's been deemed that all of President Trump's cases have been denied. But not, not on merit. Nobody's ever really weighed in on the merit. Hey, you see this guy stealing the, the, the ballots? Hey, you see this truck driver's testimony? Hey, do you see this video footage in Georgia? Do you see the Sharpies in Maricopa County? I mean, I can go on and on with this. Do you see the dead people voting in Michigan? Do you see that how this rule says this, but yet uh, 200,000 people used COVID in Wisconsin as an excuse not to sign a ballot and mail it in? When the Supreme Court of Wisconsin said otherwise, that that wouldn't be the case? Do you see all these different things? They're like black and white. Oh, but it doesn't have standing. Because we, if, we know we, if we knew we heard the merits, if we would just hear the merits, there's no way that we could say that black is white, white is black, up is down, left is right. There's no way we could say any of that. Because it's just right there in your face. We all speak English in this country. So the courts decide, nah, standing. We're going to go with standing. Yeah, that whole standing business. The whole standing business, huh? It's ridiculous. And that's exactly what the 11th court did here. Thankfully, though, in this case, the Supreme Court decided, you know, hey, it's not election. It's religious freedom. We can cover that case. We can't cover election integrity. But you know what? What's more important? Well, what's just as important? I should say just as important, not more important. But what's just as important is if we don't have fair elections, we're not going to have religious freedom. We're not going to have a constitution. So, you know, it's sort of like one of those things like, uh, you know, if you don't have a country to defend, then what, what's the point? You know, we, we really need to protect some of the f- fundamental foundations that keep our country together. So the Supreme Court has rightly affirmed that government officials should be held accountable for the injuries they cause Kristen Wagner. Uh, uh, or no, the, uh, that, that what it said was the Supreme Court has rightly affirmed that government officials should be held accountable for the injuries they cause. That's a quote. That's a quote from General Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, and that is Kristen Wagner. 
a woman, I believe, said in a statement on Monday, when public officials violate constitutional rights, it causes serious harm to the victims. So in 2016, Yuzu Bunum, I'm never going to say that name right, it's spelled U-Z-U-E-G-B-U-N-A-M, just in case you want to look it up um, and look him up, uh, was told that he needed to use one of two speech zones. Speech zones, now get that. Speech zone, which made on a college campus. That's like a pledge pin on your uniform. Are you kidding me? Right? That's crazy talk. Which made up less than 1% of the entire campus if he wanted to continue sharing his Christian faith on campus, according to ADF. So he complied, but minutes after speaking in a reserve zone, campus police <laughs> threatened him with discipline if he continued. Remember Tommy Morrison? Not Tommy Morrison. Tommy, uh, the guy from England who uh, was constantly getting arrested for speaking his mind in England. You know, school officials violated his constitutional rights when they stopped him twice from speaking in an open area of campus. If that's the case, you know, Caitlin Bennett, who's on university grounds all the time, speaking with students, and for that matter, even Charlie Kirk and a lot of other uh, campus reform uh, people are constantly being physically attacked or or threatened. Um, You know, Ann Coulter had a pie thrown in her face. Uh, you have all these different people that are going on college campus. Dinesh D'Souza, Ben Shapiro, they, they spend a lot of time talking on campuses. And a lot of time, they, they are denied their speech in one form or fashion. And I wonder if those uh, cases will have merit now that there's a precedent. School officials ultimately accused uh, uh, Uzben of violating campus speech code which prohibited offensive speech lang offensive speech is i guess religious speech georgia gwinnett college initially uh defended its speech code in court after adf sued on behalf of uzman in 2016 but then reversed its speech policy and argued the case was moot as a result so they basically pulled a little procedure and they changed their code, and they said it's moot. We're not going to go to court anymore. But they weren't, you know. But they could still choose to enforce whatever they want. Thomas was joined in his opinion Monday by now. This is Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas was joined in his opinion Monday by seven justices from across the ideological spectrum. So did you hear that? Justice Thomas was joined by eight. Yeah, you know, he was one of eight judges. There's nine, right? There's nine on the Supreme Court. So Justice Thomas defended the boy and defended the kid's right to speak freely on campus. So Justice Thomas was joined in his opinion Monday by seven justices from across the ideological spectrum. The judges agreed that because uh, Uzban rights were violated 
he can sue the school and receive nominal, nominal damages. It is disputed that Uzman experienced a completed violation of his constitutional rights when respondents enforced their speech policies against him, Thomas wrote. Oh, but here's where trouble comes into paradise. Justice John Roberts issued the lone dissent. Roberts agreed with the appeals court. Justice John Roberts. That's George W. Bush's guy. John Roberts, Chief Justice. Agreed with his appeals court, which argued that because Georgia Gwinnett College changed its... Oh, here we go. I always put that break in there in case I I have a coughing fit or something. It's going to save me, but I never use it. All right, so Justice John John Roberts uh, issued the lone dissent. Roberts agreed with the appeals court, which argued that because Georgia Gwinnett College changed its policy after... Oh, man. Usman sued. The case was moot. So basically, Justice Roberts says it's okay if the college pulls a fast one. You know, I wouldn't judge as more like, you know, uh, uh, the judge in Georgia that said, you know, in the case of obscenity, Potter Stewart, right? I know when I see it. Common sense should have some application here. So the kid was a victim, but it's okay that that kid is a victim. It's okay that he's a victim because the net-net was the kid was a victim. So the kid should be able to sue for nominal damages, and the, the courts agreed. The highest court in the land agreed. So Justice John Roberts wrote, Today's decision risks a major expansion of the judicial role, Roberts wrote. Until now, we have said that federal courts can review the legality of policies and actions only as a necessary incident to resolve real disputes. The American Civil Liberties Union, American Humanist Association, Frederick Douglass Foundation, and U.S. Conference of Catholic bishops all filed friend of the court briefs in support of Usman. Now I say Usman, it's short for Yuzumbunim, but it's a lot easier to say. So in any case, that's an interesting thing. That's just another case example of John Roberts and not wanting to not wanting to get involved or afraid to set a precedent. And that's exactly what was happening with the election fraud cases. They were afraid to get involved with that area of law because they were afraid to set some sort of precedent. But at some point, you got to look at what the damage is and realize this is too great. Just like, you know, some of the judges that weighed in during the Obama administration regarding DACA, the Dreamers. Even Obama said that was unconstitutional. And it's my opinion that, you know, they, that, that Scalia was murdered. He didn't die of natural causes. My, my opinion. It's not the formal record. But I have an opinion because I, I know, I read that uh, Justice Scalia, for example, had a uh, physical before he left for a, a hunting trip in Texas. 
and went out with the, the boys, you know, and went hunting in Texas. He was fit enough to do that because he got the doctor's approval to do it. And then next thing you know, he, he's found dead in his bed with a pillow over his head. And he's found dead in a bed without a witness or an autopsy. And you're like, hmm. Then he's, what, I think he's cremated? They didn't have an autopsy? And he got buried lickety-split? They didn't give him the George Floyd treatment. Oh, that's another case that's going on out there, right? But, um, yeah, they didn't give him the George Floyd, Floyd or John McCain treatment. No, they didn't do that. But, you know, President Trump certainly did. He never forgot Justice Scalia. The greatest justice, in my opinion, that ever lived was Justice Scalia. And Clarence Thomas is a very close second to that. But I will tell you that, um, you know, there was this uh, situation where, you know, him, he being replaced by Merrick Garland, who was the guy that was put up there. Now, remember, Merrick Garland is the guy that couldn't, couldn't even speak in complete sentences when he was before the committee to be, I think it was the AG of our country. That guy couldn't even tell you whether or not it was illegal to cross the border illegally. That was Merrick Garland. Yet somehow Obama thought, that's a bright idea. We'll get the guy that doesn't know it's illegal to cross, cross the border illegally. And we'll put him in there. And we'll get him the green light DACA. Huh. See, you tie those two things together and it kind of starts to be a little bit more clear, doesn't it? It's a little clear now. We know where Merrick Garland stands on border crossings and DACA and amnesty and catch and release and all this business that turns illegals into IDs and IDs into registrations and registrations into ballots and ballots into Democrat ghost voters. I say ghost voters because these people really don't vote with their ballot. Their ballot gets created on behalf of their registration. Their registration gets created on behalf of their ID. And their ballot gets created on behalf of their registration. And somebody votes that ballot in. It happened all too frequently in the 2020 election. And the Supreme Court doesn't want to look at it. Neither do the, any, any of the other courts. But that's exactly how it worked. I, I have an IT background, and I look at things from a database perspective. Everything is driven from a database, and you know most things. It's, it's algorithms, databases, everything, every query, everything you do is from a massive database. And there's all kinds of queries and weighted figures and everything else in between. And all this stuff, everything you see on a website, a WordPress website comes from a MySQL database written up in some code called PHP code. And it's just what it is. It is. It's all queries. It's all regurgitating information out of a database because it's the most, it's the most um, 
it's, it's the quickest way to process data. If you were to try to process data in terms of database data in a Word document and put them in tables or something, it wouldn't have the same performance. So they, they drive everything from databases. And they could do all kinds of fractional this and algorithm that. And we know that Dominion was doing all of that too. But, you know, it's... Uh, it is what it is. We have so much so much going on with uh, the corruption in Washington, D.C. We don't even know where to shake a stick, really. But we have that Supreme Court case. Good for free speech. It was a win for free speech, but it was a it was another it was another sign that John Roberts is somewhat compromised in some way. Something's going on with that guy. For him to not see so clearly. I mean, he dissented where even liberals realized. Even the ACLU supported this guy. And John Roberts couldn't get there. Too timid, too afraid of of a pre- setting a precedent. Too afraid of taking a stand. I guarantee you, if you were to put John Roberts in front of an x-ray machine... He would have zero spine. He would have no spine. It would be a, it would be one of those oddities that no one could explain. How does the guy stand up straight? Because he has no spine. So before I go into taking calls, and I see two callers, we're going to take them both. Um, I wanted to say uh, Pence. Pence is busted by conflicting media reports about his January 6th behavior and those rival electors. So this is kind of an interesting uh, article. Mike Pence is a deceitful character who is being promoted to us by the Heritage Foundation as a concerned Republican. The Heritage Foundation. Um, You know, and they're connected with Digital uh, Daily Signal. Um, but as a concerned Republican. However, and see, that's the thing. Heritage Foundation is a good organization, but yet they have supported so many rhinos over the years. And it's just, it's it's like they never really take a full stand. You know, and I've, I've really always had problems with the heritage. I don't dislike them or hate them uh, or despise them. You know, I don't like, I like to use the word hate ever, but, you know, I, I have no worse groups than that. I think that they do a lot of good. But in a lot of ways, they are wrong for the GOP because they're the ones that have caused a lot of these problems with rhinos getting in. And again, that's one of the cornerstones of org and buglecall.org is we want to rhino the hell out of office. We want to primary the hell out of office rhinos like Liz Cheney, Lisa Murkowski, and Kinzinger in Illinois. So it says, Mike Pence is a deceitful character who is being promoted to us by the Heritage Foundation as a concerned Republican. However, he has no fan base or swells of support. And frankly, he never did. He never did. And he certainly doesn't now, now after the massive betrayal to President Donald Trump and his over 80 million. See, what he could have done that was so important what he could have done, what Pence could have done, is he could have bucked the system, and he could have been a maverick. And 
what would that what what that what would have happened is he would have forced the hand uh to be entered into court he would have forced the court he would have created the conflict that required a resolution and if they just would have played their cards and stuck uh smart and stuck to their guns they could have pulled that off so you know that's the that's the part and it says here even after a recent pr column in the daily signal which, you know, website for heritage where pence pretends to be concerned about elections yeah it's double speak double talk and it's all that's wrong with washington we're going to go ahead and take uh we're going to take go ahead and take um the first person to call, and then we'll take Julie after that. So right now, this is going to be Bob. We've got to um, probably make it short. But Bob, um, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Yeah, good morning, Scott. Good course, morning. Things are as they are. And uh, I don't know whatever else. Uh, I uh, think that... Uh, John Roberts can change his mind. I think that he made a very serious mistake when he ignored the Constitution and said the Supreme Court will decide uh, disputes between the states. Now, there were 18 states that felt that the Skullduggery in Pennsylvania disenfranchised their vote. That is the vote of the 18 states. And... uh, I mean, I understand that the conversation was sort of colorful. (laughs) This was introduced uh, within the court. And again, that's from unconfirmed uh, observation. But uh, I imagine there was some uh, concern there about what what the reaction of the Democrats would be if their skullduggery was exposed. But what's your feeling? I mean, things, uh, you say, uh, uh, things, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, well, things are as they are. I, I don't think there is any uh, recourse to what happened, is there? Yeah, well, see, um, I think John Roberts looks at uh, law and the Supreme Court and justice as an academic process. And what I think is... what well, is fa- yeah, I'd just like to finish up with an afterthought, oh, yeah. and that is this. I think the public still has a right to know how illegitimate the current president is. And uh, I, I hope that uh, this sort of thing does get into the courts where a record can be kept when these right. sworn affidavits can be presented in full view of the public. But anyway, enjoy your, Thank your you. show. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. All right, so one of the things I wanted to finish up on that, and before I take Julie's call, and I'm going to take Julie in just a second, um, is this. Uh, You know, I think that John Roberts is too academic for his own good. And he looks at everything from an academic perspective. But what used to be, back in the old movies and Jimmy Stewart days, when you'd watch an old black and white film, you know, it used to be that the judge would almost have teach you a moral lesson. Now, that's not always great. That's not always good. But we, we've all seen those movies where the judge took a real concern into the human aspect of a person. And I don't think that John Roberts has a humanistic bone in his body, humanistic bone in his body. 
in the sense that he doesn't look at these things from you know a an American citizen perspective, and I think that's where he loses it. Well, I think he's corrupt, and I think he's compromised. But, I mean, let's just take it at face value and say the way he's practicing law on the bench is that he's not using common sense. Now, common sense tells me that if 18 states, if 18 states say that they are unduly affected in a negative way by the fraud that was conducted in Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Arizona, not to mention Virginia and potentially New Mexico and Nevada. That is enough for concern that the courts ought to address it when you have 18 states' attorneys generals that are basically saying, we are very concerned that the fraud in these, the systematic fraud, and they call it election not fraud, not voter fraud. It wasn't the people that were fraud. It was the system, the election fraud, and these states. And that was the biggest concern. That was the biggest concern for uh, the 18 states' attorney generals. And for the Supreme Court to just say, no, we're not concerned. Or this isn't an area for us. You need to take this. No, somebody needed to step up and and really do uh, something great for America for a change. America has been great to them. Do you think that they would be great back and give something back to their country? They have a duty and a responsibility to use common sense and apply law. They didn't do it. And they missed an opportunity. In any case, uh, we're going to take Julie. Julie, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Oh, good morning, Scott. I love your topic this morning. You're right on. I the last couple of days, you you, you talked about weighted voting machines, and I, I think you have a really serious point there. Because of all the the people that are lying in the wake of all these bad decisions by the Supreme Court, I, I think you, you, you struck upon something that the Supreme Court can't deny or can't not hear. It's the issue of voting machines having the capacity to weight a vote away from a single one vote. And you you have a county that comes up with a decibel point as its vote tally. I think there's over 3,000 counties across the country. How many counties came up with decimal points as part of their vote tally? I believe that that is the decision that we need to seek for at the Supreme Court. Is it legal and is it racist? to allow a weighted voting machine to participate in our voting, our elections. That's right. Plain and, and simple. Yeah, and you know, when yeah. we... And, yeah. No, that's right. It, no, go ahead. We, you know, we need to address that because, you know, you can, you can fractionalize... With decimals, you can fractionalize anything. Anything is fractionalized. Yes. It's so easy to do. And it's not even rocket science that these um, people like Eric Coomer 
one of the senior people that was uh, involved with the fraud in Georgia and elsewhere and was uh, busted in a conference call out in Colorado where he exposed himself as a Trump hater. And yet he was running the show in a lot of places, uh, working with people like Mark Elias on these things. There was enough cause. There was enough motivating factors. There was enough evidence to suggest that fraud definitely was a possibility that the courts should take a look at it. And that's all that was being asked. Just hear my case. But they didn't even want to hear it because they knew the answer was going to be a problem for them. Well, because they had to present evidence. And, And this evidence is clear and cut. This, you can run the argument down and and make it into a concise one-page argument. The problem is with the others, they had to produce evidence. And then the minute you give evidence to an uh, attorney from the opposing side, what happens to it? It gets destroyed. It disappears. The FBI has, has, has destroyed evidence, election evidence already. Yeah. So th- th- this evidence can't be destroyed because the vote tallies are there and the decimal points came up, came up. They can't argue with this. So I think that's the way to go. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I-, I think that you could have an argument in one page, plain and simple. Is it illegal and racist to allow for a voting machine to uh, to have the capacity to weight an, a, a person's vote away from the number one? No, they did. I mean, they, it can. I know that right. I know that everything that they are made, everything that Giuliani and Jenna Ellis put out, what made sense to me. And those data experts that they had brought to the table totally made their case. And Absolutely. and people just don't want to hear it. They, they don't want to enter it into the court. To even look at it. No, they entered it into the state legislature, and the state legislature yeah. was compelled. And everybody who heard the evidence was compelled. But the courts didn't want to hear compelling information because they didn't want to be on record as meddling in the election. And they knew that they would have had to so long as they, they hear it in court. Then they would have to be ruled, you know, they would have to the rule. And it wouldn't have gone well for the Democrats. But it wasn't about politics. It was about precedent. And it was about getting into an area uh, that's like quicksand. And they, they kind of understood that getting into that area would be sort of like uncharted territory. Well, yeah, doggone sure it's uh, uncharted territory. We've never seen fraud like this because we never used those rigged machines like that. We never had COVID before that's like right. this. We never had mail-in ballots like that. We never relied on the U.S. Post Office so much as we did. We never had so many absentee ballots. Doggone sure, it's uncharted territory. But that's exactly when the court really needed to step up. Well, and we didn't have enough time to develop this streamlined argument. But when it all comes down to it, we can't have another election if we are voting with a machine that allows votes to be weighted plain and simple, because that takes away from the number one. We are one vote, one person, and it cannot be any other way than one vote, one person. And that is what we need to fight for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? We would have won in a landslide. Um, I think Trump would have had about, if Trump got 74 million with his fractional votes and all the votes that we found in dumpsters and stuff, 
I guarantee you he would have had probably about 84 million votes. And I think Biden would have had somewhere in like 54 million votes. I mean, Paul Preston said it could be even closer to 110. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of different things. I'm being uh, somewhat, you know, conservative about it. You're being conservative. You're being kind. Yeah. And, and, but I think that that would be the way to go if somebody filed a simple lawsuit of saying it's illegal, it should be deemed illegal to have a voting machine that has the, uh, that holds the capacity to weigh a vote, a single one vote away from and, yeah. and to provide a decimal point well, for the and yeah I think absolutely that, the decimal point's got to go it's got to be a, it's got to be a binary number or, but you know here's the thing yeah. too is is um oh oh what was I going to say um <laughs> in any case um you know that we do we we really have to clean it up you know that's the thing I, it wasn't what I was going to say I kind of forgot what I was going to say but. In any case, how can the Supreme Court deny this or or not agree to take it? Because this applies to both sides, to all sides. Because the number oh. one, one is 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 yeah. the, and, the entire basis for our democracy. Oh, and I well, remembered what I remembered now, what I was going to say. Or whatever. I remember what I was going to say. Now, I was going to say if they could pull this off with a thirty million uh, disparity landslide victory for Donald Trump. If he, if you know, because there's no doubt in my mind that Donald Trump won the election in a landslide. There's no doubt in my mind. No, nope. I believe that wholeheartedly. The thing is, is that um, if they could rig an election and and spin it the other way like they did, if they could rig that election, imagine how many close elections uh, have been flipped. You know, like in 2018, that was a trial run, and that's why I, you know, again, I that's why I think Kirsten Nielsen. Uh, Kristen Nielsen got lost her job because she was supposed to oversee the election integrity in 2018 that resulted in the House going back to Nancy Pelosi. But the issue was, I remember in Arizona and uh, in California, there were all these seats where the Republicans won on election night, and then all of a sudden it flipped. And this is happening way too often. You know, if you are ahead on election night, it's game over. You win. Okay? If you didn't count the votes uh, on election day, then too bad for you. But, you know, all this late counting and all these video, this video footage archive where people have bags of ballots stuffed in the back of trunks with no chain of custody, you know, it's ridiculous. And I remember seeing that in Florida and elsewhere. They were trying to rip off DeSantis. DeSantis. And... Um, and in that uh, case against Gillum, you know, the same guy that was found, you know, with hits of crack naked in a Miami hotel. That would have been the governor of uh, Florida. <laughs> Andrew Gillum. All the decisions claimed that they didn't have standing. They didn't want to look at the evidence. But with this simple argument of whether we can allow a weighted voting machine taking a, and providing a decimal, decimal point for the vote tally, this should be deemed in, illegal. And that is a one-page ar- argument, and that is clean and cut, and they can't not address this. Mm-hmm. Because the evidence is in the voting tallies that came right. throughout the night. Right, they right. had decimal points. Right. 
Right. Each one of those vote tallies with a decimal point shows fraud. Yep. Well, thank you for calling in today. Anyway. I got, yep, sorry to bug you. Uh, you anyway, just, of all the Justice Scalia yeah. and Seth Rich Oh, it's terrible. And all those people in the wake, we have to fight. We have to fight. We can't oh, walk away and, from And Jeffrey Epstein, the, you know, Jeffrey it's, Epstein, Seth Rich. Yeah. You know, uh, all of these, uh, you know, uh, Scalia, uh, all these unexplained situations, you know, to me, it's like we are in a cesspool of corruption. Our Our country... It even goes back to people like Vince Foster and yeah. and and all those people that have passed in 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 the wake of this cataclysm. Well, I think ever since state. the Clintons <laughs> entered Washington D.C., it's never been the same. Yeah. Well, I should say the Bushes. Anyway, what so who am I, I getting right? Weighted voting machines. You, I think you hit on it. You you somehow in your 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 different shows you put together an argument that is that cannot be turned down by the Supreme Court. Thank the you. The issue of voting right. machine. All Sorry. Right. Yep. Well, have a good day. Have a blessed Thank day. You. Take care. All right. So got some got some, a little bit of bad news. Um, Times Square naked cowboy got arrested during Florida Bike Week festival. So he's the guy that's in Times Square. When we go up to take video footage of our billboard, uh, which is still going strong, uh, on 42nd Street between 7th and 8th Avenue, you'll see the Scott Adams Show and a whole bunch of our hosts and Red State Talk Radio and some some of our sponsors all up on the billboard in Times Square. And Times Square is actually kind of uh, busier than you think. And um, in any case, you always see the naked cowboy out there. He's a legend. Real nice guy, too. Happens to be a conservative. Robert Burke, known as Times Square's naked cowboy. And Burke is spelled B-U-R-C-K. Was arrested in Daytona, Florida for aggressive panhandling. He was... he was under arrest, as it says <laughs> in the New York Post. Times Square's famous ca- naked cowboy was arrested in Florida over the weekend for aggressive panhandling, according to a new report. Robert Burke, he's 50 years old, but he looks like he's 30. I mean, the guy really has good physique. Was busted Saturday evening during bike week in Daytona Beach, where he was strumming his guitar in his usual getup, white undies, a cowboy hat and boots, video posted uh, over on the New York Post. Naked in Daytona, the caption says, a police report obtained by the Daytona Beach News Journal says Burke, a regular bike at Bike Week, was taking photographs with multiple bystanders who placed money inside the guitar's center sound hole. Burke's actions violate a city ordinance prohibiting aggressive panhandling in Daytona Beach, according to the reports. I've seen aggressive panhandling at the uh, Daytona 500. I mean, you know, there's a lot of partying that goes on down there. I don't know why they're, uh, you know, kind of like, to me it's bad, bad, a bad idea. Then everybody knows Naked Cowboy has his shtick. The notorious cowboy, 51, now he's 51, not 50, allegedly refused, refused to follow an officer's order and pulled away. Hmm. Well, that doesn't sound right. 
An officer then pushed Burke against a patrol car, causing the headstock st- at the top of Burke's guitar to break. According to, oh, so it got rough. Burke was uninjured, and his wife took his guitar at his request. The local outlet reported citing police. So I guess he uh, may think twice about going down to Daytona. He was charged with aggressive panhandling and resisting an officer. With a, the resisting an officer is a problem for me, but uh, the other part, yeah. So we'll see. So uh, resisting an officer without violence and released on six hundred dollar bond at eleven fifteen Sunday. So Daytona Beach's eightieth annual bike week began Friday and runs through March fourteenth. So it's still going on strong down there. The naked cowboy was spotted in his usual Times Square stomping grounds during the monster storm, snowstorm in early February. I remember he was naked. And, you know, like, not naked, but you know what I mean. Couldn't believe he was doing that in the cold. Um, all right, so I want to get to this story really quick. These five states are cracking down on big tech censorship and overreach. Big tech overreach is growing by the day. Not only is the former president of the United States banned from using social media platforms, but business nonprofits and other individuals are also subject to censorship of all kinds daily on platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, and more. While Republican lawmakers toyed with the idea of reforming regulations such as Section 230 to curb some of I mean, it's the same thing that was going on with that kid that was denied his free speech on campus and and Chief Justice Roberts was denying his right to sue, litigate. I, I think that the Section 230 part that prevents us from suing, there's so many people that put so many hours into their YouTube channels and Twitter feeds, and they pay good money on social media tools to build out these things and make it a part of their business. I, I think it's a travesty that these companies can get away with what they do based on, you know, basically discrimination. Discrimination, uh, and if it's not politics, it could be race. What's the difference, really? You know, because you're, you're basing it on the color of one's skin or the, or, or the, uh, the ble- uh, person's political ideology. They, they kind of have, um, you know, similarities there. Right. Such as Section 230 to curb some of these blatant partisan blackouts while they still had control of the Senate. The 2020 election and other distractors occupied their time. Instead of waiting for Congress to act, states are now making plans to act on their own, introducing a passing legislation aimed at big tech's power grabbing and authoritarian suppression of certain speech. So who are the states? North Dakota was the first to pursue holding big tech liable. And then we have Florida. So it's North Dakota and Florida and Texas, North Dakota, Florida, Texas, all conservatives. You see where this this is going, right? The, the, The Democrats love the censorship. They love it. To deny your speech, they're okay with that. See, Virginia, oh, that's a, that's a liberal state. Northam, I think it's because he's going to be up for election again and nobody wants a piece of him. Um, so Ralph Northam, he's been in- interesting. He, his his pedigree is a little like uh, uh, 
Patrick Murphy in U- in New Jersey, mostly radically left, then does one little thing that's like okay, and then Utah, of course. So Utah, so Utah, Virginia, North Dakota, Florida, and Texas are the five states that are really on top of this. I think that there are more actually than that. Um, that are that are going to be cracking down on this type of censorship. Also, um, there's another article I wanted to get to, and we're running out of time. Nine signs that chess pieces are being moved into place for a major war in the Middle East. Now, this is an interesting topic. I think I'm going to cover this topic tomorrow. And that is that the American people are really going to regret putting the warmongers back in control. And I cannot tell you I already see it. I already see it because once Lindsey Graham gets the pacifier put back in his mouth and he and Joe Biden, best buddies, you know, he gets what he wants in Syria and elsewhere. They are they are not on the right side. They're, they support the violent, the violent uh, radical Islamic sympathizers, the jihadis, uh, the socialists. You know, there's a reason why the squad supported BDS and uh, and supported the Palestinian movement when they were pretty much the more violent group and they didn't want to negotiate fairly at the table. Uh, and that sounds like an oxymoron when you say negotiate fairly, what is fair? It's fair when it goes Israel's way? No, I get that. I get that argument. But um, the idea is that uh, Trump actually played the hand very well in the Middle East. And during Trump's uh, administration, his presidency, there there was no there was de-escalation. We moved more troops home, not sent them over. And the stabilization along our bo- southern border and in the Middle East increased. There is peace, there's uh, Bosnia, Serbia. Um there was uh UAE and Bahrain and Oman all doing business with Israel. We are going to take this quick caller, uh, John. Uh, John uh, comes to us from the Chicagoland area. John, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Scott, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. Good, good. Hey, um, so just on your point about the Middle East, yeah, I, I, I'm completely with you on that. You know, we in Syria, when we were opposing Assad, who actually protected Christians, and was a stabilizing, and is a stabilizing force there. We were siding with elements of al-Qaeda and ISIS, is my understanding. I mean, it's just, it's so confused over there, but we were siding with literal terrorist organizations because we thought we could use them as test pieces. And look how that works out every time. The same thing in Libya. When we have gone into the Middle East for the last 20 years, it has been a disaster. Now, I, I guess you could say, well, we don't know what would have happened. We, we don't know what would happen if we didn't go in, right? It's the sort of the, the, the road not taken. But we do know that Libya became a disaster after we ran Gaddafi out of there. And the, the word was there were open-air slave markets in parts of Libya in the aftermath of the downfall of Gaddafi. Same thing what we were doing. We created some chaos in the eastern part of Syria. I, I mean... And I imagine in Syria they're going into it. This will be a disaster. And what it goes down to is guys who don't realize that the empire is passing us by. We are bankrupt. And if we've learned one thing in the last uh, year or so about these military guys is that the woke crowd has infiltrated the military. I don't want to give these guys money. In fact, 
honest to God, I'd like to see the military cut overtime by about 50%. And I mean 50% because we need to cut all over the board. Oh, absolutely. We need to keep the money here at home. And uh, not only that, but we're fueling the wrong uh, fires. Uh, you know, and we, we, we should have learned our lesson with Osama bin Laden um, when we uh, financed uh, his efforts in Afghanistan uh, with short-sighted foreign policy uh, back in the day with the Mujahideen. So, I mean, you can go all the way back to that and realize that we empowered and, and strengthened them, uh, and then they flipped on us, you know? So it's like you can't trust anything. You just got to stay out of it, you know, and just basically try to uh, engage in a Middle East uh, uh, peace process as best you can. But it's it's a difficult challenge. But putting our troops in the middle of bullet, you know, in the way of a bullet is is not the right answer. The answer is for what? What are these guys going to get? I mean, there's going to be a few guys who will die, uh, maybe more, yeah. and other guys will be maimed. We'll spend a lot of money. We'll end up being blamed. Absolutely. You, know, you look at Afghanistan as another example of Cold War thinking. and the only it's, it's, So it's, it's destined to become a disaster. It's like this whole COVID thing. You knew it was going to be a disaster from the outset. The only thing I'd say, I know you've got to get to other stuff, is you mentioned Pence earlier. You know, Mike Pence, he's as hard as in the right place, but the bottom line is, I thought he was a, a good vice president overall. However, when the chips are down, he doesn't have the guts. As Michael Corleone said to Tom Hagen in The Godfather, you're not a war, wartime consigliere, Tom. Right. Sorry, you're not a wartime consigliere. That's right. When the chips are down, if you remember that incident with um, Salesforce, where Salesforce threatened the state of Indiana when they were going to pass mm-hmm. a uh, law which did not bias in favor yeah. of homosexuals. It was just basically more of an equality law, really. Mm-hmm. And Salesforce wanted a pro-homosexuality law. They threatened to leave the state. Pence caved. He, right. He also right. caved over Flynn. That's, that's right. one of the reasons why they uh, that's right. they fired General Flynn. So that's all I'd want to say about that. All right. Well, John, Thanks. thank you so much for calling in. We're out of time, but thank you, and and we'll see you next time on the radio. Okay. Take care. All right. All right. Thanks. Okay, so that's great that John called and we got him in. Um, yeah, one other thing, we're going to cover this tomorrow as well. This, the, the question is, how to poison the data that big tech uses to survey you? Algorithms are meaningless. We were talking about algorithms today. Algorithms are meaningless without good data. The public can exploit that to demand change. That's where we take the fight next, folks. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Uh, It's a way to actually say we can't change the fact that they're going to collect our data, but we can actually change the data that they get and give them disinformation, misinformation, make their data useless until they straighten up and do the right thing. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. My name is Scott Adams. Be sure to check out scottadamsshow.com for our podcasts. Magapack.org and BugleCall.org uh, for the latest in what we're doing over there. And we'll see you next time on the Just radio. Bye-bye.